Welcome to Winning Streaks. I'm your host, Tanvir Mustafa, and every week I get deep into the stories and strategies of experts, champions, business moguls, and industry leaders to find out how you can win the day and win at life. If you're committed to never settling for the status quo and consistently challenging yourself to new heights, then this is the show for you. In return, I commit to bringing you insightful, practical, and no BS conversations that will help you create your next big win. A lot of other analogies when people call me and say, how do you do this every day? I go, you know, it's like Halloween. If you loved Halloween, you're going to love sales because it's knocking on that door. And are you going to get a penny or are you going to get a large size Kit Kat, right? You never know. Not every day is great. Not every year is 200, 300%. Um, but if you are really putting in that work and you really are coming to work with how can I help my customer, you're just not going to fail. You're not. My guest today is currently an enterprise account executive at NICE and a gold member at Untap Your Sales Potential. She has been an elite seller for over 30 years across various organizations, finishing in the top 10% of her peers consistently. In recent years, she has closed several multi-million dollar deals, clearing over seven figures multiple times in earnings. Introducing Christy Sevillier. Hey, Christy, welcome to the show. Hi, Tanvera. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored that um, I'm here talking with you today. I love that you're here um, and you continuously, like one, one of the reasons that I love that you're here is that you've been an extraordinary hub of wisdom for those in our coaching program. You're always willing to talk to others, always willing to help others. Uh, and just this morning, we had a group coaching call this morning and you lent a lot towards this conversation around time management for sales professionals. So as someone who's cracked seven figures in sales multiple times, how do you go about managing your time effectively and efficiently? Uh, that's a great question, Tanvir. Um, you know, a lot of it for a while was trial and error. And, you know, it's in my early career, it was a lot of luck. And then what really started happening was I had children. And my time became very precious and mixed into this whole cultural era, era, which I know we're going to touch on as well, being, uh, being a woman in this, you know, profession and then having children, there became this kind of judgment of you really had to be strong and true to yourself on what you love to do. Um, and part of it was juggling motherhood with a with a really strong high st- stressful pr- profession so with that being said i knew that i had to start planning my time to the to the minute and my time was not my time anymore it was divided amongst children husband family friends etc cetera, etc cetera. so my work day increasingly became more important to me and very precious where i started implementing, hey, if I got a free minute, it's got to be, you know, to what we call our RGAs. And that's where it just totally became this huge surge for me of prospecting to power and being totally time efficient with what I had to do. Um, And a lot of things got put, and I feel today, into the appropriate people's hands were many of, of, of my colleagues and peers, especially in untap your sales um, profession or potential is having struggles 
around doing their role and then allowing the people that are technical, allowing the people that are in the services part of it, handle those particular um, details with us being the quarterback in the position of that role. Mm -hmm. You could teach a masterclass in time management. I know you could, and I want to dive into the details a little bit more. So when it comes to sort of before and after, right? What was your calendar like before you figured out this time management thing? And, you know, what were some of those struggles that you personally went through and what have you done to then address it? What does, what does Christie's day now look like as a seven figure seller? Yes. 100% different than what it did before. Um, I was truly in my early stages of my career, obviously focused on getting those appointments. Right. But in the earlier days, we did not have all of the technology that we have today. So it was clearly coming into the office in the morning, having a manager meeting, you know, with eight to 10 reps on your team, and then being pushed out of the office, not to return till five Mm o'clock and having to come back with business cards to the tune of like 20. And they had to be um, director or higher. So it means you could knock on a door and talk to, you know, um, the the frontline folks, um, secretaries, admins, but it didn't count towards what we were supposed to be doing back in the day. And that was getting these business cards. So going out there and having that kind of burden over your head really forced you into the thick of the things quick, mm-hmm. but you'd get back and then you would have that next day to try to figure out what do you do with your time? And a lot of it was, oh, wasted time. We didn't have the distractions of the phone, even the computer back then. I mean, (laughs) shockingly to say, I was like typing first proposals on the Smith Corona typewriter. Um, So with that being said, it was very easy to do the office talk, the long lunches, um, you know, pretending that we were out on appointments and really like, you know, kind of fooling around because we were really nervous about making these phone calls until it came time to start having these meetings. And when we had these forecast calls, old school sitting in the office with everybody and then calling out your numbers and that it kind of put one of those jolts of like, oh my gosh, I really got to figure out what I'm doing. So from there, it became very systematic. It was, you went out on Monday, gathered as many cards as you could. Tuesday, you spent calling back into them, trying to get appointments set. Wednesday, it was going out to your appointments. Then anytime you had free, it would be going to gather more prospects and dropping off contracts. Um, that became one of my clear differentiators is that I spoke to you on Monday and maybe you wouldn't respond with a you know phone call. Remember, I also didn't have email. So if in my voicemail was an office voicemail, it became very challenging to do what we do today. So a lot of times I would spend the uh, late in the day on Tuesday writing out contracts. And then Wednesday, if I didn't have appointments, I would drop off postage meter contracts because I worked for Pitney Bowes to everyone that I saw on Monday. And all of a sudden, it was amazing that on Friday, 
several of them got mailed back. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my goodness, how is this happening? So I continued to do that week after week. And it became very successful where I was hitting my meter quota very quickly from just kind of doing things that were trying to work around the inefficiencies that I've had in my day. So that was kind of my regiment. And then once the AEs in that, you know, in that office thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to take her under my wing because she's going to get me to my meter quota, right? Because there were so many meters you had to write to go on these phenomenal back in the day. It was a phenomenal president's club. I mean, it was <laughs> seven days long. You went single for the first half, then a guest could come the second half if you oh my God. made a different level of quota. So very quickly, I learned from some of the best leaders at Pitney Bowes um, that wanted my help to, you know, do the dirty work of getting their postage meter um, quota done. And then alongside of that, they allowed me to sit with them to learn the business so mm. that then within, I think, two or three years of me starting, I was the number one um, sales rep in the company. Um, <laughs> Not surprised. I mean, it was just one of those things that kind of became sink or swim. And today it's that grit, I think, that allows the me the ability to have the, I think, the passion for solving problems helping my customers because I've done it so many times, people will always say to me, how do you call into the C-suite? How do you do this with no, no anxiety? And it's like either, either they're, you know, a, a match with what you're trying to solve for them or it's not your time. And you'll know right away that prospecting to power and your time management is what's going to get you um, to where you need to be because you're wanting to help solve problems. It sounds like you've been focused on RGAs since the beginning, like since way yes. back when, right? But yes. you've been doing this for, for 30 years and plus. Uh, but now we're in an age where the distractions are, are plentiful. Back then you mentioned, you know, water cooler talk, long lunches. Folks are still doing that, by the way. Uh, but yeah. now there's even more. There's, you know, phones, there's so many notifications, Slack, yes. all these things. What have you done to adapt to the times now, yes. especially with, uh, you know, young kids at home? Yes. How are you going about ruthlessly prioritizing your RGAs, revenue generating activities for those listening throughout your day so that you're making the most of each and every day? Yes. Um, so again, obviously those are the things that drive you. And it's either you're creating, prospecting, or you're advancing your um, your positioning with the customer, right? And and understanding their timeline, understanding where they need to be, and then backing into it. So those become priorities in and of itself, right? Because sometimes when you're in the the sales cycle with the customer, some of them may be a little slower than others, right? So you prioritize those so you're not working on the wrong tasks at the wrong time. Then what happens is I work a little bit longer. Um, I know like several of our colleagues in, in our, um, in our um, sales training 
you know, will enjoy their, you know, their break and break their day up, you know, during lunch, right? And I love the concept of having two days in one, right? You've got your morning, you have a break, and then you go back. So it doesn't seem as long and tedious or demanding when you look at that way. What I try to do is go very long to the two o'clock timeframe, because when I become busy and need to be present is when my children get home from school. So that's usually 2.30 to 3.30 until they have to get to their sports, till they have to go to their homework house um, to get help with, you know, homework and just making sure that they can stay on task um, is very important to me. And then um, I will make sure that I prioritize anything after five o'clock where I'm driving them to practice or picking up friends or doing what, what I need to do because that's really important to me because there are a lot of times when I can't be that classroom mother or I can't be, you know, someone that's always picking up or taking to Starbucks in the middle of the day. So I just work it a little bit differently. And some of the carpools that I'm involved in, um, I just always say I'll take the night shift because it just makes it easier for me and I'm not distracted and I can give everyone my full attention. Yeah, you've got you've got a system not just for managing your professional life but also your personal life which I thought was yes. was really unique. You're really efficient with your time. So Yes. when it comes to boundaries, right? Boundaries yeah. in a in a professional perspective. So people setting boundaries within work with, with yes. their colleagues, with their manager, as well as boundaries with personal life. Uh, talk a little bit about that and, and let the people know kind of what you do differently. Um, some things which I've never heard before. So please take the stage. Right. So I think too, like there are, you know, they're definitely being the account executive. Um, there's, there's a big demand for your time, um, not only from your customers, but from your internal colleagues, management, um, meetings that you have to be at. So when I first came to NICE, I quickly learned that there's a couple meetings that are very important that I make sure that I'm present for. One of them is a Monday morning executive call. And then we've got a Thursday morning meeting. It's almost like old school forecast. Um, our um, AVP will go through and kind of do some training and then we have to get into numbers. Um, so that definitely keeps you accountable. There's also accountability around Salesforce hygiene because my boss is going into a war room meeting on Tuesday. So it's always keeping me honest, right? With the admin work that none of us like to do, but is very important to your success. Um, and so with that being said, those are ones that are just on my calendar, blocked off. And unless it's something super important that a customer cannot move or needs me at that time, I attend all of those. They're very helpful and useful. Then from around there, what happens is, and you said it so perfectly, my RGAs become before anything. Um, and so I've got them planned out. And one of the biggest things that helped me, especially coming out of untapped your sales or potential is um, the 12 week year. I was always good at my goals. I was always good at the week, right? I knew what I needed to get done, but the, the specifics of when they needed to get done and how I plan my day and how I plan my week start on Sunday night. 
So I have, I look at the entire calendar, including, you know, everything from three to, you know, one of the nights my kids have soccer till 10. So I look at all of that and then I figure out what days are going to be full eight hour days, what days may have to be shortened because there's a basketball game that's starting at five o'clock. Um, when are my kids available um, or at practice? So if I need a couple hours back from taking off, I can catch up. Um, so that becomes very important to me. Um, I take a look at the entire week. I plan what I need to do strategically around the kids and friends that, um, you know, want to see me. I really kind of dive into what's going to work and then put it on the calendar. And again, unless there is an absolute emergency, that's basically what it is. So that when people are asking me or the kids are asking me, mom, can you do this? Mom, can you take me here? Um, can you meet for coffee? You know, a friend might say, you know, I just look at my calendar and it's, I, I can't like that. I do. I'm not that not flexible. I can always try to move things, but from that Sunday night on, it's really down from the personal aspect of things I have to do are in stone. And then I work in all of my deep work, all of my, um, follow-ups, all of my meetings. And then when I look to outstanding internal issues, what's important there, right? I do always try to make sure that my sales um, force hygiene and updating things that absolutely need to be updated are done at the end of the day. And then that's not a stress that's going to take a couple hours to finish for a Tuesday meeting that my my boss has. Um, and then from there, I will fit in um, meetings that are, again, revenue generating, but don't need to be done in the middle of the day. Um, so if I'm doing prep calls, if I'm doing things like that, I usually do them at the end of the day because they're less mindful for me than my morning. My morning is just truly dedicated and when I'm the best at getting back to customers writing emails, um, being creative with ways to get, you know, attention, um, sharing ways that we can help, um, reading about where they are and um, listening to, you know, quarterly investment calls that they have. So that's basically how I treat that. And then when I do get the influx of, can you help me? Or I need to talk to you right away right? It's always, I write back, hey, let me know a little bit about what you want to talk about. Look at my calendar. Can you find some time to make this work? And if they write back and let me know what we're going to be talking about, then I know that they really do need to speak to me and we can kind of work through that on my calendar. And other times, a lot of people now know my, my kind of boundaries and the fact that hey, listen, in the morning, I, I can't be distracted by things at work like this. I need to do that in the afternoon when I can take a breather and be like, okay, now my brain is changing for several different things. Yeah. So that's basically what I do. Yeah. What you're talking about, I think is, is a cheat code for sales productivity, like peak sales productivity. What yes. I've noticed about top performers time and time again, is they're, they're very good at 
managing not just external noise from customers and clients, but also right. internal noise, right? Because yes. if you let everybody else rob time on your calendar, then you're not really the CEO of your own business. Right. You're not going about setting clear intention in the way that you approach the day, right? Um, Absolutely. So I, I totally agree with, with that approach. Now, I will ask a question here because I went through it just this morning. I didn't sleep very well last night. I'm going to be honest with you. Didn't sleep very well last night. So although I had my RGAs planned out for the day, I have no white space in my calendar. I woke up a bit later and wasn't getting started in work as, as normally as maybe at the right time as I should. Right. How do you go about approaching days where you're not feeling it or maybe you're not motivated or maybe you you miss an RGA? Like, How do you adjust or adapt or react in those situations? Oh, and you know what? It, it, it happens. And you know right away that that night before or in the morning, you know it's not going to be your day. So then I adjust and I take a look at, hey, what is easy? Is there somebody I can reach out to that's going to spark me, right? Because sometimes that's what you need. Like maybe it's following up with a customer who um, is not maybe the main player, but someone that can give you some insight as to what's going on or advance the deal. Um, talking about low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging low fruit, fruit, right. Yeah. And and making myself feel that I'm working. And then I can usually work my way out of it. In the event that I can't, I give myself grace and I'll be like, okay, what do I have to get done that is something that is non-demanding of my energy and my brain that is out there that has to be accomplished at some time in the week? And I will pull that in. Like, let's say it's Salesforce admin. Let's say it's some of the, we follow customer-centric selling. So there's times when I need to start doing a champion letter or I need to start filling out some templates for opportunities that are going to now be looked at from the rest of my organization. I will do that type of stuff so that I don't feel like the day is totally wasted. Um, but it does happen. And I'm just, I'm also prepared I I have this other part that I use like incessantly. So if I would share my screen right now, I think people would be horrified <laughs> because it's just open everywhere. I know where everything is and I'm a big user of um the electronic stickies. And so I always have one that's up there for those type of days. Like, is it, a, is it a podcast I have to listen to that one of my executives at one of my companies is um, on? I do a lot of digital landing pages for my customers. And, oh, can I update them? Can I go with Content Hub and look for stuff and add them and then send that out? So I do have easy things up there that if I am in one of those moods, I can definitely pull them and work it. And then I don't have that. And I love this that Ian shared is that integrity gap because that's when the stress starts, right? It's when you're not meeting what you're supposed to be doing or things, expectations that you have of yourself. And then like we talked about today, the end of the day comes and you are just so scattered and not present and worrying about everything that you didn't do and how are you going to get it done tomorrow? I'm always crossing something off my list so I don't feel that guilt. 
Yeah, that's that's where that integrity gap comes from, right? So yep. essentially, for those listening, an integrity gap is the gap between where you think you can be, right, where you believe your potential is, and where you actually are. And the wider that gap, the the harder it is, the more guilt you feel on a day to day basis. And people feel it on a day to day basis because of primarily their day isn't filled with enough RGAs. So on average, you know, an average, let's say, low to average sales performer is conducting maybe one to three hours of RGAs, whereas you're at least, you know, you're looking at four to six. I've actually taken this another step up, Christy. So now like on a, on a day like this, for example, where I I slept in a little bit, didn't get enough done. I look at my day at the end of every day, I'm tracking how many are, how many hours of RGAs did I actually complete? So I'll track it and put it on my calendar that, okay, today was five hours of RGA 4.5. And if I find my, it's like a grading system. So if I'm at six to eight, then that's an A plus, right? That's an A. Right. If I'm at four to six, that's kind of like a B, B plus, which isn't bad. Like it's four to six is like a good and then, yeah. you know, so on and so forth. So you got to be honest with yourself, right? A lot of yes. people are getting to the end of their days saying, I did a lot of work today, but did I really move the needle forward in my business? And when you yes. actually do an audit, chances are probably didn't spend as enough time on RGAs as one, one should have. And I know you knew that as well. Yes. And you know what? I, I finally, again, being so busy and having two teen teenage girls at this point and the driving around, it's like, I have limited time. And so when I sit at this desk, I am like, I need to get this stuff done. Right. Because it's just something that now I, it's just ingrained in me. And it's also something that just, I just feel really good if I have to walk away at four o'clock to get an hour away to a basketball game or leave on a Friday to drive my kids to Maryland for lacrosse tournaments that they're in, I just, there's not one ounce of me that worries about anything being left undone. And yes. and that's the best feeling, right? And And I had mentioned this and not that I'm proud of it, but I also was very competitive playing paddle for many, many years. And a lot of the moms had to prioritize their time during the day. And I was managing to do both and do both very successfully. And it was truly having to have, okay, this is what I need to get done today to go out on the paddle court for an hour and a half um, and then to come home and still be able to make my quota right? And have my kids. So it truly is just the discipline of prioritizing your day and not bending anything for it. Yeah. I think what impresses me the most about you, Christy, is you've been doing this for so long yeah, and you've consistently been a top performer throughout, right? But yeah. let's not pretend that there, there hasn't been some struggles or there hasn't been some hardships oh, throughout. One of the big absolutely. ones- one of the big ones being stress, right? I know that stress yes. management was a huge piece for you, um, b- you know, before working with us. So talk to me a little bit how you've gone about managing your stress on a day-to-day basis, this roller coaster up and down of, of, our, of our career in sales. Yes, um, that is such a great question. I think, again, um, it all goes back to this being highly planned and executing. Because when you do that, right, and and like I always say to my kids, just go out there and give it your all. When you've given it your all, 
you just, no matter what happens now, you feel good. There's, it, there's no anxiety. I do not go to bed at night anymore. Like I used to in my early days of like being up all night, like, how am I going to get to quota? What am I going to do? Like when I'm done with the day, I'm done with the day. Like I am not, I, you know, I am not stressing about anything other than, okay, who do I have to pick up? When do I have to pick up? Who do I have to feed? It, it really, I'm, I just cannot like impress this on everybody. Um, it, it is truly getting done the most important things in your day to advance your sales. And the more you have in the pipeline, we all know this, it, the, you know, the better chances, the greater chances you have at, you know, accomplishing your goals. And with that being said, it is finding those opportunities where you are going to impact your customer and and then it just becomes a huge win for you. And, mm -hmm. and it's solving those big problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you put it perfectly. What I want to learn more about is how you do those high, you know, those those RGAs specifically, because there is such thing as low quality RGAs. Yeah. Right? Right. Somebody might set up sit on a, on their calendar a one hour prospect prospecting block and just blitz calls all day long and not get anywhere. Right. You've been a high six-figure seller, high seven-figure seller, time and time again. What is it you think that you do differently during those RGAs, during that important deep work time that has allowed you to have the success you've had? Right. I, you know, I think one thing that I've also learned, and again, this was all self-learned and then getting with it with Ian and yourself and everyone I'm like oh my god it's taken me 30 years to get here and if I followed this rule book right or the the book of Ian um it, it would have just cut out all of the learning so all I can say to anyone is when you find a mentor who has been in sales you need to throw your thoughts away and follow the path to success because the trial and error is tough. And I think that, you know, along those lines, one of the biggest things is, is really understanding where you are going to advance that deal. And those are the ones that you need to focus on because there is low hanging fruit, right? Within your RGAs, they're safe people to call. They're safe people to do that's like, oh, I talked to so-and-so. You know what? Again, being there, done that, getting caught at the end of the year thinking I've had a huge deal that's going to put me at 400%, not come through because I did not connect with all the right people. I did not speak with procurement. I did not speak with, you know, the executive that's signing it. You know what? It's it's a crapshoot. And I think the longer you I guess, prolong those conversations, you're wasting time in your wasting cycles. With that being said, a lot of times it's like having those quarterly meetings with your customer, understanding who the sponsor is, making sure that sponsor, there's very different levels of, you know, these roles that you find, right? You, you meet with customers that are really involved but they they don't want the accountability or the pressure 
of of helping the deal get in. They they back it, they want it. Then that is, you know, where we have to really understand who can help us advance that deal. Who can help us work all of the internal processes? And it is a lot of deep work, right? And it's a lot of truly understanding your customer, understanding their environment, looking at what they're saying, the analysts are saying, look at what their senior leaders are saying, um, listening to YouTube clips, listening to the um, investment, the financial investments, seeing who's gonna be on um, CNBC, right? See what sometimes Jim Cramer is saying about them because all of that plays a role in developing your point of view and where you can really help that customer um, advance, whether it's sales growth, whether it's now a lot of the time in this economy, it's consolidation of technology and understanding what that would bring and how you can help do that. Um, did I answer that, you know, the way you wanted, or is there a follow-on question? Yeah, I think uh, what you're specifically really good at is then taking that point of view yes. and then bringing that to executives. So yes. what's your secret sauce to getting executives involved early and often in your deals uh, to ultimately, you know, see success? Yes. It, you know, that is a great question. And I think with knowledge comes confidence. So when you truly believe that your product is going to fit not only what you're reading in the financial reports and seeing in different tools like Databook or um, Zoom Info, and but you're listening to these executives deliver it on different platforms, whether it be on podcasts, whether it be on interviews, whether it be in writing, um, and you develop it and you say, you know, I was listening to this that you said. I think that I have a great way to help understand the problem better and potentially have solutions. You know, would you like to set up some time or is there someone that I can talk to to validate my thought and then come back to you with, you know, maybe some ways we could solve this solution. And that usually really works. And it's not this long drawn out, you know, conversation. It's truly like, hey, I saw this, I watched this, this is where I think that, you know, there's potential areas to help solve some problems. And I'd love the opportunity to talk to you to see how we can do that and work together to get this done. Yeah. You continue to practice this. You continue to execute this. I mean, for context, you, you started a new company at the start of this year and right from the beginning, practically, you started crushing it and closing massive deals right from the get-go. So if someone else is listening and they're just starting at a new company or maybe they're a couple of months in, how did you really take off? Like, how are you just getting early success in, in this new company that you've, that you've started at? Well, I think, I think the, the biggest part of that is really, again, it comes down to the hard work. It comes down to knowing your customer better than you know yourself, that they know their, the customer. I noticed it you comes, didn't mention the product. Yes. I, I, to be honest, I haven't had that much time to truly dive in to know as much as I should, right? But this is where I think we had that conversation 
that I lean on some of the smartest people that have been within my organization that have seen things from other customers. I know enough to be dangerous. I know the big picture of where I need to be. And I can understand the challenges that my customer is having. So it allows me to bridge that gap. And that is the biggest part of the job I feel is for me to understand where we can help, set that appointment up, understand a little bit more about the mechanics of what's going on within the organization, where they want to be and when they need to be there, and then start socializing that with the right folks internally, and then bringing back those discussions um, in a in a more um, formal fashion around how we can dive into the challenges, understand again, like what is that end state that the customer is looking for, and then internally talk products and talk all the the jargon that you need to, but present to the customer in a way that that is their language in solving the problem. Because the folks that we're talking to and the folks that we're selling to, they, they don't care about the name of the products and they don't care about what cloud it's going to be implemented on. That is not their part of the job. So it's truly starting to understand where everybody in the organization fits, how you sell that same message differently to the people that need to hear it, right? Because once the business and the executives understand and have confidence that you can um, solve their problem, then it's the technical conversations you begin to have with the technical folks that come in at a much different level and a much different sophistication where you need all the different engineers and all the different architects to make sure it's going to fit in the environment. So I think as a new salesperson that's embarking in on an enterprise sales position, it's really understanding that your strategy, your knowledge comes from the deep research that you need to have. It's not about knowing the products. It's not about making a phone call and say, hey, we can do XYZ with XYZ. It's not that at all. It is truly thoughtfully understanding what problems you solve, right? And then how you can marry those up with the initiatives and the timeframe that is going to truly impact the business of your customer. You're 100% right. It's it's not about, you're never going to know as much about a company as let's say an executive knows about their company. Right. You're never going to know as much about your own product as maybe some of the more technical folks or product managers right. are going to know about it. But you can become a problem expert. I always say you don't need to yes. be a product expert to be successful you in sales. Don't. You need to be a problem expert. Right. And and that's the first thing I did. Um, when I got offered the job, I started understanding before I started, what are the problems that I solve? right? What are the problems that I solve? When I got my accounts, I started looking them up. I mean, that again is a playbook for success. Your account plan, your strategy, um, understanding who the, the key folks that would be interested in your messaging, um, understanding what that point of view is going to be um, before any outreach is done. I mean, it, it took me several weeks to understand 
where do I think I can help the most? And that is where I started looking at all my accounts, listening, reading, looking at them, like where do they need help? And then I started saying, okay, it looks like this customer really needs some help. How do I get there? And that's where I started taking the approach where I would dive in, understand, then start my outreach. Because now it's just, it is all of the work behind the scenes avoids like what you said before, me picking up the phone, calling in, just trying to get someone to talk to me. There's there's no rhyme or reason in my mind that um, that, that is going to get me anywhere. That's the heart. To me, my mindset has shifted. That's the hard work. Like for That's... me to pick up the phone and call into a company with no direction, no like under true understanding, not understanding the the organization and where I'm going to hit the impact. I I can't even think about that. That that's like, what do I even say? So I'm one that once I have the knowledge, once I understand, once I really know I can help somebody, then the you know the continuous calls, the continuous emails, the understanding who this is really impacting at the company and getting to that person becomes so much easier. I mean, the conversations are just so easy. They feel like conversations. They don't feel like interrogations anymore. And and it doesn't feel like a sales. I, I just said this earlier today. Someone had called and asked if I could help them set up a digital landing page for one of their biggest customers. So I said, yes, look at my, um, you know, look at my schedule and put some time on it. And I'll share with you what I've been doing. That's been super successful. And so we talked real quick and he's like, how, how did you get into these accounts that don't do business with us? And I said, it was a lot, a lot of research. And it was really understanding how we can bridge the gap and impact the initiatives that were most important to them. And, and he's like, wow, you know, that, that really makes a lot of sense. And I said, a lot of people do not like to do this, but I'll send you my template. I will send you like what I do to make sure that I'm fully prepared to start having conversations and to ask the right questions to the right people And, you know, if it works for you, great, but you have to research because you ask these questions and the answer is not going to make any sense to you. Be careful, be careful, Christy. My my audience might just start flooding your DMs and reaching out to you. You know what? I can put something up, you know, you can pass it out. I have no problems with that because again, um, it it is something that you just want to help. And if anything, I would love to have the people that really love sales. Like everybody asked me, why didn't you get into management? Why are you still doing that? I just am very passionate about it. I really like to solve problems. I really like to help people. And, um, you know, it just becomes one of those things that I think too, at the beginning of the year, having these accounts and not having like really good relationships with between our companies is something that also I take a lot of pride in 
because I chose this organization that I work at because I'm very proud of the leadership. I'm very proud of our um, our offerings in the marketplace. I'm very proud of all the awards that were, you know, on the Gartner Magic Quadrant and stuff like that. And I take that very seriously. And so for a customer in a Fortune 500 that has none of our products, hmm, why not? Why right. Not? And and so you that. look at it that way and it really becomes something that I want to understand. Like what happened? Is it you don't know about us? Was there a previous not great experience? What do you know about us today? How can I help educate you on what some of our other customers in your industry are doing with our with our um products? I can feel it even in your energy. Like you genuinely just want to serve and be of service to your customers. And when you do that, what you just said is when my sales career changed, I used to feel a lot of guilt if I wasn't prospecting and calling every moment, waking moment or like sending emails or doing something to move my deals forward. But what you don't realize is that research, that deep in-depth analysis of their business is moving your deals forward. It is yes. an RGA. It is... Um, it's almost you're positioning yourself as an employee at their company, an internal consultant that works for your customers. And that's when things change, when you can work and operate as a sales professional, not for your company, but for your customer, Right. the possibilities are, are endless. And you've certainly executed that in your sales career. Now you're 30 years in, you've, you've been very successful what advice do you have for younger sellers who want to also sustain a long and successful sales career? Right. One thing is you really got to make sure because it's not for the faint of heart, right? You've got to have Teflon skin. You've got to be able to let rejection roll off your shoulders. But a lot of the time, the rejection I find is you're not at the right place at the right time. You're not right asking the right questions right up front. Um, and so you get yourself into a situation that you potentially think you have a deal and you don't, right? I mean, I've made that mistake early on in my career. And when you... How do you realize when you don't have a deal? How do you, how do you quickly identify that and disqualify, especially with the amount of experience that you have up to this point? Right. When somebody says to me, you know what, I just, I don't have the budget. We don't have the bandwidth. We're not ready for this yet. Oh, totally understand what is taking up that space because it is very important. I feel it's very important. So help me identify what comes in front of this. And then sometimes there is some really good reasons, right? And I'll say, okay, great but this is super important to you. So when do you feel you're going to have either the committee, the team, the time to really kind of dive into this? Uh, we're probably planning in about two months. Great. Why don't we put some time on our calendar today to do that? I have no problem asking those questions right away. What is prohibiting us from starting or moving forward? Um, when do you see that this is something that's, you know, going to be um, a priority or move to the priority part of it. And when someone says no, and I ask those questions, those follow-up questions, you know, I, I'm like, okay. And I put my notes together. I keep that in the back of my mind. 
I'll send things that I think that would be important or of interest, um, follow up every once in a while, and then it's time for them to rise to the top. So it's, I really ask the questions up front because if someone says to me, hey, we need this, but we don't have budget, I tell them, don't worry about the budget. The budget will find itself because you always know if it's a pressing problem and there are direct impacts on how we can affect and change and impact their business. I can't tell you how many times in my 30, my 30 year career, there's been no budget, but we need it. And then I'll say, okay, let's do a little more investigating here. Because in my experience in sales, we've always been able to find budget. Budget always comes up. It's funny. So it's whether, like a magic trick, right? When you it, solve a big enough problem. Absolutely. And is it, you know, that you know, a lot a lot of times too, if depending upon what your industry is and what you're selling, like all you need to do is kind of look at, you know some of the, the hiring pages, right? Are they hiring like an inordinate amount of people where you know that it could be automated, right? right? Because they have all the recs for all the people. How can you look at that differently and help your customer look at that differently? So now that you can repurpose that, that, that funding, right? Funding that will impact the business. Yeah. And sometimes it's as simple as that to like say, let's spend a couple of weeks and just truly, really determine one, can I help impact the business? Two, what is that going to look like? Three, we know you want to automate. Four, hey, let's take a look at this. Are putting more people on the problem going to help? Or is it going to create exponentially more problems? Right. You can tell your experience just in the way that you even just approach that scenario. Um, so, I mean, what else? I, I from I hear from prospects every day, right? I hear from yep. sales reps every day that, uh, man, I just don't know if I'm in it anymore. You know, I don't know if I've, if I've got it anymore. I don't know if sales is meant for me. I've missed a couple of quarters in a row. Um, and they're just having a really hard, time staying all in right staying locked yep. in um and like you mentioned sometimes having that thick skin is hard right it's difficult yeah. what advice would you give to to build sustainability in your sales career and actually last yep. in the long run i don't know if they're going to want to hear this but it's truly looking inward and it's truly asking yourself are you doing what you're supposed to be doing every day that that is that really if you love sales and it fits your lifestyle this really fits my lifestyle being a single mother having two children that are like really in need i mean they are more work now than they were when they were babies right i need to be present in their lives um and with that it is something that is just so rewarding to me when we can truly find a way to help, right? And we can truly find a way to the to the customer and and help them help the their you know themselves. A lot of folks that really become recognized within their company for putting in excellent technology. There's a lot of executives who then like also same thing. Um, it, it's just a different flavor. 
you just really need to understand, do you love what you do? You're going to hit bumps in the road. But you know, like I say, again, it comes from experience. And if anyone, you know, truly wants to continue through it, the first book I ever read that changed my life was Think and Grow Rich. And I don't know if it was Think and Grow Rich or if it was one of the Ogmandino books. And maybe if anyone knows, they can definitely like let Tanvir know. But I just remember this quote. There was an oil, um, an oil tyke or an oil rigger who bought this land, drilled, 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 said, there's no oil. I just wasted all this money. I'm going to sell it. Sold it. The person came in, drilled down six inches, hit oil. That's what I think of. I just think of every day you are this close. Keep going, right? A lot of other analogies when people call me and say, how do you do this every day? I go, you know, it's like Halloween. If you loved Halloween, you're going to love sales because it's knocking on that door. And are you going to get a penny or are you going to get a large size Kit Kat, right? You never know. So you just keep going. Like, think about that as a kid. You just kept going because you'd hit the gold, the jackpot, and then you wanted to keep going. Or for those of you that are golf enthusiasts, you know, and, and you don't have the time to go out there and practice, but you get the one shot that is like, I can't wait to go back tomorrow. And that's kind of where I feel that I am with this because not every day is great. Not every year is 200, 300%. Um, but if you are really putting in that work and you really are coming to work with how can I help my customer, you're just not going to fail. You're not. This has been awesome. Christy, you're, Thank you. uh, you're amazing. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. You're a blessing to the program. We love having you. Where can people learn more about you, connect with you, message you, et cetera? The best, the best place is LinkedIn um, because I really, I'm not, I'm not active anymore on Facebook. I'm not active anymore on Instagram. Um, it, again, I don't have the time to be. I'm not a big poster um, of pictures and things like that. So please connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, and, you know, if there's time that you folks want to talk or, or whatever you need to do, just let me know. And, you know, I can definitely send out my email and my phone number and help in any way I can. And I'll include those in, in the show notes. Christy, it's Thank been an you. absolute pleasure having you on Winning Streaks. Thanks again for coming on to the show. Sure. Talk to you soon.